RadioInfluence.com. Hey guys, good morning, afternoon, or night, whatever time it is that you like to tune in. We are grateful. Welcome to another episode of Live Bold and Boss Up. Steph and I chat with Carol Gill. She is the founder of Carol Gill Consulting, where she increases employee engagement and productivity. She breaks glass ceilings and she's an executive coach. She does so much for for businesses and we get to pick her brain. One of her baselines is the DISC assessment, which we all know there's so many companies out there who have so many assessments and tests for their employees or their candidates coming in. And we want to know, is this valuable? When is it valuable? How do you use this tool? How do we boss up? So please enjoy this conversation. We hope you get a lot out of it. Here it is. I'm excited because we're going to dive into a lot today and we're going to learn a little bit about ourselves and about DISC and mm-hmm. about um, how DISC came to be with Wiley Publishing and all that and about you. So I'm I'm excited about today. So let's jump right in. So awesome. I guess let's let's start from the top and just share with us again, like, for the listeners, how you got into leadership development, coaching, really maximizing the productivity in teams. What made you go that route, right? Share a little bit of background on how you got to, to this point. Okay. So it wasn't a plan. I will say that I worked for um, a telecommunications company that no longer exists for about 17 years, uh, formerly known as GTE was kind of consumed by Bell and became Verizon as we know it today. Uh, went through a lot of upsizing and downsizing and right-sizing uh, through that process. Worked with a lot of teams. I was in the HR arena. And when my position in HR was eliminated, I was a very unhappy camper for quite some time. I took a, a two-level downgrade to keep a job because they loved me so much. They wanted to keep me, but my job went away. So through that transition, uh, it took me about a year to really get my head around who I was and what I wanted because I had done so much for the organization and felt like it was my home and my family. I also felt very stuck because I was in a job I hated um, and I didn't see a way out because I kind of had the golden handcuffs. I made a lot of nice money and had two little boys and needed that support and that safety net. And so I moved into an organization outside of HR, thought, okay, I'm going to try something else. And in the process of that, I learned to be a project manager. I also learned that that's not what I wanted to be when I grew up, but it opened the door for me to start working with teams. And I was asked if I would be uh, willing to work with a group of people to put together a high-performance team process. And we were really pulling together teams from across the country that had never worked together before. We were very siloed in our organization, and it had just always been that way. But deregulation caused things to change very quickly. So I jumped in uh, to that role along with my real job and did that for about a year and realized that that's really what my passion was. I went through a lot of training, uh, facilitation training, certifications of all kinds, um, worked with IBM for a little while. They came in and helped us. And so when my position was eliminated again, I walked into my boss's office and said, I'm done. Don't find me home. 
(laughs) I I don't want to do this anymore. Isn't it funny? I find that a lot of people um, who are in jobs that they don't like and and they stay there because like what you said, you kind of had the golden handcuffs, you had a good job and you had to support, you know, your family. Um, they don't find, I feel like they find their niche after maybe they're let go, like they're forced out. And then you're kind of like forced into this uncomfortable situation where you actually figure out what you want to do when you grow up. I love that. Absolutely. And I, I really think that transition for me really took me on this path because what I realized I felt stuck for so long and somebody basically hit me over the head with a two by four and said, you know, Carol, if you don't like it here that much, because I complained all the time, which is not me. Um, she said, you could go somewhere else. You do have choices. And I didn't feel like I had choices at that point. But what I realized is she opened a little window in my brain that said, you know what? She's right. I just haven't been willing to accept the consequences of those choices. And so once I opened my mind to that possibility that something else could be there um, and got rid of the angst and the, you know, I just felt betrayed by the company. Once I got past that, then the whole world opened up. And so that's a lot of what I do in my business today is help people see that regardless of where they are, what they're doing, they always have choices to do something else, but it's up to them to make that choice. And they've got to open their mind to it. Right. No, I love that. I feel like so many times people just stay where they're unhappy and don't make a move because they just, they feel stuck, but they, there are decisions. Yeah. And I call that job jail. Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, and I know a lot of people who are living in job deal right now. And it's very, it's very unhappy. And, you know, you see the the great uh, resignation happening now in today's world and you wonder why, well, that's where I was. I'm I, done. I know I heard on the news today, was it this morning or last night that women are exiting more mm-hmm. women now are exiting the, the workforce. And I'm like, what, what? I thought we were jumping all in. Like what, what happened here? <laughs> now, you know, and one of the reasons for that, and there, there is research out there. I'm not going to quote it because I don't have it handy right now, but women are a bit more resilient when it comes to that kind of thing than men are. And I think you'll find that we, we get to a point of this is not working anymore. And instead of hanging on, we look for other options. I think we are more resilient. And I think part of that is our upbringing with family and, you know, you have to take care of kids and you have to have a job and you have to do all this stuff. Um, so that's Carol's perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. We're not going to take anyone's, you know, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering right. what word you were going to use. I was like, I'll uh-huh. need you my seat. <laughs> that's a good one. So tell us about um, now, your company now, and, and what tools you use and what you do on a daily basis. Okay, so uh, this is actually my 25th year. So I'm very excited about that. I mean, when you think about 25 years of self-employment, you know, it's it's pretty amazing. Amazing. Um, the, yeah. You told uh, me this before, and to me that the the numbers just don't add up because 25 <laughs> years and then 17 years, you don't look old yeah. enough. I know. So, I started when I was two. There you go. Yes, oh, that I explains it. Enough. Okay. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> I for have two grown sons and they're, well, one's in, <laughs> one's in his 40s, so, so you could do the math, but um yeah, so so today's world, I work with large and small companies, but I really focus on organizational transformation. So if you think about companies and culture and employee engagement and all those buzzwords that you hear out there in the world, that's that's the the world of the, that I'm in. And typically, my clients are long term. 
So over the years, I've worked with clients for five, six, seven years, because I'll start with the senior team or the executive team and really get them aligned around what it is they're trying to accomplish, purpose, vision, goals. Um, And then we take it down through the organization. So the focus is on building cultures of trust and engagement and passion for, for what they're doing and who they're doing it for. Because when you have those connections, then people are much more willing to go above and beyond and they're not looking for another home down the road. So we know based on the research that those are the, the things that that really bring employees to an employer that don't wanna leave. And, and that has to start with the senior team. So that's been typically my business. Now underneath that umbrella, I do executive coaching, I do group coaching, I do training, and I do a lot with the DISC assessment, which you are have, have just taken, the Wiley, uh, Wiley brand, which is the original DISC. And I've been using DISC now for 20 years in my business because I find it is a very strong foundation for people to learn about themselves, build self-awareness, also learn about choices that they can make in terms of their interaction with others and how they can become more effective, and then learning about others and what makes them tick and realizing and recognizing that difference is really what makes the world go round. It's a good thing, um, not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And if we can embrace difference and start to value the differences that all of us bring, we can really create a much better world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What um, what made you choose DISC specifically? Because there's a lot of assessments out there. I feel like. Yes, there are. Yeah. A lot of companies use a lot of different things. So share with us why that's special in particular and, and why you really went with that. Well, that's a really good question. And and there are a lot of assessments out there and many of them are very good. So I'm, I'm, I definitely would not say DISC is the one and only. Um, and I like to differentiate the Wiley brand from the other DISC assessments that are out there in the world. Um, Wiley is the owner of the original theory. Wiley owns the rights to the original DISC model. Now, all of that has been put out into public domain over the years. Um, It was originally developed back in the 30s from a gentleman, William Moulton Marston, and then wasn't really made into an assessment until the 80s, uh, early 90s. And since that time, when you look into, you know, you do a search for disc, you're going to find everything from animals to shapes to colors to people to birds. Um, and people have done their own spin on the original theory. The difference between that and what I use with Wiley is that we are using third generation research. It's adaptive testing. So it's much more valid and reliable and you're getting the real thing. So that's kind of my sales pitch for, for the Wiley brand, but it definitely makes a big difference. So choosing DISC over other tools. So Myers-Briggs is also a tool that I've used, MBTI. Most of us have heard about that. Um, What I found with MBTI is it's a very good tool to use in one-on-one coaching, but I had a very bad experience with it when I was an employee. And if it's not delivered well, um, people can really misuse the MBTI types. And in my world, back in the old days, um, people were really labeled on their forehead. And if you weren't X, then you were never going to get a management job or you were never going to do this. And it's absolutely not intended to be used that way. Mm-hmm. So that turned me off um, from a team building perspective, because it's hard for people to understand it. Where when we use the Wiley disc, we're using a circumplex model. People can easily see the four dimensions that we're measuring. 
and understand that it's all about stretch. It's not about I'm here, so this means I do this. Not at all. We're all a combination of all four styles, but I have a home base that I like to live from. And that's my comfort zone. So under stress, that's where I'm going to go. And that's just kind of where I like to live. And I'm going to be probably more productive if I'm living in that space than if I'm pushed over into the other side of the map. The good news is, though, yes, we're measuring personality, but we're also helping people recognize that who you are is exactly who you're supposed to be. What you do with who you are is behavior. So I can be my enthusiastic self, which is very natural for me, and it's definitely a personality trait, but I also can tone down my enthusiasm when I'm working with people who don't like that. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't change who I am. It changes my approach, right? So I can be direct when I have to be, even though it's really uncomfortable for me. I can deliver bad news when I have to, even though I don't like to give people bad news or hurt people's feelings. But those are choices that I make. Who I am is still who I am. So DISC really helps you understand that, that this is where your map is or where your dot is on the map, but you can move all the way around. And how do we learn how to do that? Because the more I can stretch, the more I can then reach out and meet the needs of the people that I'm interacting with because they're different than me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like it because you can, like you said, you can see where, where you need to work, what areas you need to work on pretty easily. Mm -hmm. It's really kind of transparent and all of that. Right. And I yeah. think it's helpful knowing someone else's disc profile. So then, yeah, you can communicate better with them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And have, I don't know if you spent any time on the Catalyst platform, but the two of you, did you look at your comparisons? Yes. Yeah. Was that interesting? Um, I mean, it's what I thought that it yeah. would be. Um, I actually had it pulled up. In, uh, I love the continuous where it shows, you know, because I when I do this and I sit down with somebody that I'm interacting with, I can look on the comparisons and see where we're going to gel really well and where we're going to struggle. And one of my favorite ones is fast paced, slow, slower paced. Um, but there are some really good ones. Forceful. What I'm were, not. What were you? So I was an S.I. Ah, and, so yes. am I. Oh. Whenever you were talking about kind of your characteristics just then, I was like, I bet we're very similar. Mm -hmm. And then um, Ashley. I'm a D. I'm an ID. Ah, that doesn't surprise me. And it's funny because you know how we were talking originally about like a stretch area where you, you're mm -hmm. basically the same thing, but sometimes you, you're like 10% this way or 10% that yeah. way. So sometimes, Absolutely. sometimes I'm a DI, but this time I was an ID. So I'm okay. like, right, I'm like right there, right at the uh -huh. top, 12 o'clock. Yep. So it was really and interesting. And I have floated between SI and IS, but I'm always on the outside of the circle. And, you know, it's funny. I, I think I told you this when we were talking earlier that um, I have tried really hard <laughs> to bring my dot in, but it won't, it won't go. <laughs> I don't know how I, I, it just keeps asking me additional questions, which is the value of adaptive testing. It's really hard to fake it. Right. Yeah. I must've, I must've answered something contradictory because then I got all of these questions that were like rapid fire about, well, in a conflict, would you, in oh, a conflict, you would you, I was like, uh Oh, I must've done something wrong. I'm like, okay, let's make sure I answer yeah. this to the best of my ability. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. I felt the same way. I kept, I felt like it was making more questions for me. So I yes. think it was a little. <laughs> 
Well, and that's the good news because we can get a much more accurate read now. And for me, I have an additional priority. So even though my, my SI dot is way out on the outside, I have an additional priority in action, which is D, behavior, but I definitely don't fall into the D range. So, um, but that's because of, I think, learned behavior over the years. I, I don't think that was something that was natural for me. I had to learn that as a business owner. I think that's really important that you have to take action. You have to learn how to be direct. Um, but it's still not comfortable. So I agree with you. Mm -hmm. So we have, I would love to dig in to more on like the analysis, but, um, wanted to touch base really quick because we have some companies that we work with and obviously Mm -hmm. we're in staffing and some of them require personality assessments as part of the hiring process. Like it's a make or Mm -hmm. break tool that they use. Do you recommend this or how do you recommend using it in the best way? Well, the the DISC uh, model is not intended to be used for selection. So I I will say that right up front. It was not validated for that. It was never intended to be that. And Wiley definitely does not recommend that. Uh, I will say to people that you can use it as part of the onboarding process in a very effective way. What disturbs me is when I see companies using tools like DISC as a pre-employment part of their um, selection process, and then they don't give the individual the results. Right. And I, it makes absolutely no sense to me to do that. Um, if you're going to ask personal questions to people, then you should at least give them the results of the assessment. Mm-hmm. So number one, that that just really bothers me. And it has bothered me since way, way, way back before I even got involved with Wiley. Um, there are some tools that have been validated for selection. And those are the tools that should be used. Um, Wiley has one, it's called PXT Select, and it's validated for selection based on skills and competencies. We're not measuring skills and competencies in or, or abilities okay. in, in DISC. We're measuring preferences and, and the things that people enjoy doing, prefer to do, right? So we're not measuring things that would say you're going to be good at this job. Right. Um, and so it's really not a healthy thing for employers to do. And I know there are other tools out there that are validated. Um, I'm not going to name them all, but... <laughs> Some are not. And if you're using DISC as, as a pre-selection tool, you're you're not using it correctly. Mm-hmm. And then is there any anything, well, I know you said the other day that the scores, no matter how long goes by or, you know, five years from now, if I take it again, I'm still going to be pretty close to. Yeah, normally, and this is our reliability. Okay, so there's two things that they look at in the algorithms behind the scenes when they're doing test pre-test reliability. And so our reliability states that typically there's a 12 degree shift over time. That's a potential, right? Now, sometimes, and I just, I'm doing some training because I do um, certification training for people who want to use DISC within their organizations. I certify them, then they just buy their products from me and they do their own training. So we have a couple of activities in that where I show a person who moved from a D style into an S style. Now, what really happened is if you look at their profile behind the scenes, we have what's called the supplement for facilitators. And I haven't sent that to you, but I will. And there's an umbrella graph that shows all their plotting points. Well, on their umbrella graph, they had a kind of a bow tie shape, if you think about it from that perspective, 
right? So it, it's a triangle that comes down to the center and then it opens up again. Yeah. Well, it was D and S. So from one time that they took the assessment, they were a college professor and they showed up as a D style, but it was close to the center. The second time they took it, they were taking it with their church and they were a volunteer in their church group and it showed up as an S close to the center. So what happened is probably six to eight questions flopped. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also see where unexpected items are selected. And it just, I mean, they were exact opposites of each other. So it wasn't that they changed their style as much as it was the preference from one to the other change because of the role that they were playing. That makes sense. So that does happen sometimes. Because I would have thought I've taken it or I don't know if it's the same one, but I took a disc assessment probably like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And I would have thought it would have changed now because I'm in a different role. I feel mm-hmm. like I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot, but I took it and it was exactly the same pretty much. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and that's where you think about, and that's why I talk about personality versus behavior. You know, people think they change their personality from work to home. You don't. What changes from work to home is what you do with your personality. Right. Okay. What changes from work to sitting on the, uh, at the Bucks game and they're winning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your behavior changes, but who you are stays the same. So even though you've learned and grown, your base preferences aren't going to shift very often. And, you know, we know based on the research that personality is pretty much fixed by the time you're about seven years old. Mm-hmm. So we are measuring base personality traits. And unless something really major happens, chances are that that's not going to move a whole lot. Right. Yeah. Mine, mine has pretty much stayed the same, but what I've noticed is as I've grown as an individual or in my comfort level or skill or whatever it is, or just finding like what I want to be when I grow up type of thing, Mm -hmm. I've noticed that I have become more of the same person at home and at work. Yes. Probably balanced out. Yeah. It's just so much more comfortable now. Like, whereas in my earlier years of working in corporate, I was a different person when I went mm. to the, org- when I went to the office, because, you know, you have this idea of what you think that they need you. Right. To be. <laughs> what I should be doing. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. And then as you get older and more mature and, and just into your passion, I feel like I've become more myself in just every, every aspect. Yeah. So that like ID is me at work or at home. I'm like the same mm-hmm. person. Yeah. And what it's almost like a radio dial. And I have a good friend that I talked to about this because she was she's very enthusiastic and very bubbly. And sometimes it's overkill. I mean, some people look at her and say, oh, I can't believe anything she says. It's, she's just not real. And I said, you know, it's like a radio dial. You turn it down sometimes and then you turn it back up and you have to learn who you're interacting with to know what's going to work for you. And it's not about manipulating people. It's about figuring out what makes the most sense for the situation. And that's emotional intelligence. Like connecting with them, understanding how, how they almost like a love language too. Like understanding how they are or how they like to receive maybe communication and just kind of trying to level set with them with that. Absolutely. So if you think about people that you trust, okay, typically what are the characteristics that you see in those people that you trust? Just think about somebody that you have a really high level of trust with. Mm -hmm. What are some of the characteristics that pop out for you? How would you describe that person? I'm thinking of you Mm. or like, you know, Tim, right? But how would you describe me? Like in our, our communication or 
Yeah, just in general. If I said, tell me about. It's very, I mean, transparent. Okay. Um, I would say non-judgmental. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, huh. It's just very accepting. Like, Ash yeah, okay. can tell me anything, and I would, even if I didn't approve of it, I would tell her in a nice She doesn't way. approve of all of it. <laughs> I tell you that. And <laughs> That's good. But I would say That's in a nice good. way. Right. That's probably my S part yes. of, you know, me coming out, you know, in a nice yes. way. I would say, you know, <laughs> that's the best idea. But. So you can do that because you have mutual respect for each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And you accept each other's differences. So Stephanie, the DI, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I'm a, a SI. Oh, you're the SI. Okay. <laughs> so Ashley is the DI. Sorry, got you mixed up. And so you have commonality in that I style, mm-hmm. but there's a big difference between the D and the S. Okay. So the D style is really focused on control and moving things forward and changing the environment and making things change all the time. And the S style is much more focused on stability and keeping things kind of even keel and being harmonious with things, you know, why change it if it's already working? Let's just make it better. Um, so those can really be conflicting sometimes, but because you have a level of respect for each other, you value the differences that you have. Mm-hmm. And each one of you will adjust to meet the needs of the other because of that. Yeah, we do. Right? Yeah. I think the the D and and S difference actually is really balancing us out because it, I yep. come up with these crazy ideas and you do too. Some you have crazy ideas too, but like I don't know, we just seem to like balance each other out when we do have those crazy ideas and like okay, yeah. how can we do that or how can we right? Right? Um do you see that certain personality styles on the disc um get along better with other personality That's styles? A good question. It, that is a really good question. So, you know, naturally, the people that are on the right side of the circle, which would be the I's and S's, mm-hmm. um, those people are very people oriented. So there's a very strong tendency for relationship there. So that just is a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the folks on the left side, the D and the C side are much more task related, um, focused on ob- objectivity, do a lot of questioning and challenging information. So they're less people oriented. So that that definitely causes a barrier sometimes if they don't recognize the value of having relationship because the people on the right side want to affiliate with you and the people on the left side are saying, yeah, not so much. Just mm-hmm. call me when you need me, text me, tell me what you want. Don't just show up in my office. So that can be perceived as a personality conflict when it really isn't. It's just we have to recognize that we need different things. Um, so that that can be a barrier. Um, upper hemisphere, lower hemisphere, again, the D, the I really like to move things forward and have a lot of variety and a lot of things happening at the same time. Folks in the lower hemisphere would much rather have things kind of even keel and let's do one thing and finish it before we start another thing. So that can create a barrier as well until they recognize that, wow, I need you folks up here to get me moving and get me out of analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and the folks up here recognize that I need the lower hemisphere to bring me back down to earth and make sure that I'm getting things done the way they need to get done. Yeah. Totally. So it really isn't one style to the other. It's the person who makes the best leader 
who makes the best employee is the person who has learned to adapt Mm -hmm. and to read the situations that they're in, to know what to do when. And that, again, is emotional intelligence. Right. And all of us can do that. I, that's the part. So you mentioned when, with the upper hemisphere, right. That, um, that DI like really needing to move and get going and have lots of things going on. That is so me. And I get frustrated when things aren't moving in in whatever situation is going on. So I really need to check myself on the emotional intelligence level and be like, okay, not everyone is like me. They don't need to have 50 million things going on and moving them all at once. I need to like, that's very true. They can't even, not only do they not want to, but they can't do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's very challenging. Um, And, and I shouldn't say they can't, everybody can do whatever they choose to do, but um, it is very challenging for someone in the lower hemisphere. Truly now, now you, you folks are both, you know, kind of combination patterns, but if you have a really strong C style or a CS style or an SC style, it's very difficult to get them to, to move quickly and make, fast decisions because they're focused on accuracy, correctness, process, um, systematic ways of doing things. So that does become kind of an issue. Again, once you've created an understanding, then it's the way in which we present information to them to help them move forward. They need more data, more information in order to be able to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not just going to go because you said so. And if you see someone struggling in a role, this is definitely something that you can look at to say, you know, this just doesn't seem like a good fit. Let's look for something else, which sounds like what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who's in that C style probably prefers to be behind the scenes. Right. They don't want to be out in the forefront and they don't want to be talking to people all day long. That's going to wear them out. Yeah, that's exactly uh, what she did. She yeah. was on the front line talking to people all day and then we moved yeah, her into a researcher role. So, yeah. Yeah. So she could do it, but it's a lot of energy. And that's the key. You know, the more we have to stretch Mm -hmm. outside our comfort zone, the more energy it takes. And we can do it for small periods of time. But if we have to do it all the time, then it becomes a burden. Mm -hmm. So So with your executive coaching, do you coach um, leaders on a company on how to like deal with different types of personalities or with theirs and communication or just all different all of the above. Okay. All of the above. I usually get called in because someone is very good technically, but they're not communicating well, or they're having their team is not engaged. There's an alignment issue. So it, you know, sometimes it'll be, oh, we have personality conflict. Well, it's not personality. It's what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. um, but I like to work with people on the development side, not just when they're struggling, but also when they just want to improve. I mean, that's, that's the most fun for me. But um, it really does help uh, understand, first of all, who they are and why they do what they do. I think a lot of people, at least that I've come into contact with, in their 40s and 50s have no clue why they do what they do. Wow. It's just what they do. Right. And so when you start thinking about it, and that, and that's where mind, mindfulness and you're hearing a lot of new, you know, kind of buzzwords out there. It's all about getting in touch with who you are and why you do what you do. And then once you know that, is this really giving me the value or the end result that I'm looking for? And if it's not, what can I do different? Is it the job I'm in? Is it the way I communicate? Is it my problem solving skills? What can I do differently to be more effective? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I do. It's really behavioral 
cognitive behavioral modification, if you want to think about it from that perspective. But I found that a lot of people don't really know what to do differently. They know they have problems in communication or um, problem solving, conflict resolution, but they don't know what to do to fix it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's my job is to help guide them through a process of discovery and then give them strategies and actions that they can take to be more effective. So I had one guy, I mean, just really enjoyed working with him, but he was a senior engineer. Um, He never smiled and people thought he was a, and he was a very large guy. I mean, tall. Okay. So just big, he was a big presence, but he always, when he walked around, he'd have, have his head down. He never smiled. He never made eye contact. So people thought he was, you know, we can't go near him. They were almost afraid of him. Um, (laughs) I told him, and he wasn't that way. I mean, when you sat down and you talked to him, you knew he was a really nice guy. He's like a big teddy bear. But in his role, he needed to be able to build relationships. So very simple thing. And so this isn't rocket science all the time. I mean, I do do a lot of really good stuff. But this was take a couple of sticky notes, you know, these Mm -hmm. and write on this. Easy cheese, easy cheese, easy cheese, and put it on the back of your door. So when you open your door, you have to look at that and say it three times. <laughs> and he thought it was crazy, but the reality is you can't say that without smiling. <laughs> right. Okay. So he started walking out of his door with a smile on his face instead of the frown and looking at the floor. Um, and the other things, it's simple things, you know, like eat the cookies. If somebody has a little lunch break room and they've got cookies or birthday cake or something, stop by and say happy birthday or gee, these are great. Instead of just walking past it. Mm-hmm. Um, just it was he didn't know how to be that social person. Right. And nobody ever taught him. Right. I would so, you know, when you have a 50 year old man who, who doesn't know how to do that, it's kind of silly. Right. But that's what I do. Be interesting to see his colleagues' um, reaction once he started doing this, and well, it like, became oh. yeah. He he actually, and I worked with him for about a year. Um, so sometimes the coaching that I do is six months to a year, and and he really did build a very effective team. Once I started working with him, we got his team together. We did this as a team, which I love doing because it helps people understand. I mean, he was very very strong C, um, which nobody really knew that or knew what that meant once we went through that with his team and he was able to open up open up a little bit about how uncomfortable it is for him to make eye contact um then it became almost something that they could have fun with without laughing at him you know so it it opened up the dialogue with the team and within the organization so okay. so that's what i love to do uh, you know it's it, sometimes it's not rocket science. It's just people don't know what they don't know. Exactly. And we assume that everybody knows this stuff and they don't. Right. right. So the, your point that you made when you're like, hey, some 40 and 50 year olds don't know why they do what they do. Right. Makes me <laughs> think of the whole um, set in their ways mm-hmm. kind of kind of individuals where they they just do what they do and they want people to do what they do. And if they don't, then they're kind of like irritated and I don't think that they know, right. They should need to take this and like kind of do (laughs) self-discovery. That's the key. Self-awareness is the first step. Um, It really is. It's being able to open your mind to, Oh, maybe there is another way to see the world. 
Yeah. So, because, you know, when we look at the disc theory and the, disc, the research behind the scenes, there are about 25% of the population in each of the four styles. So if you think about each of those four styles as almost a different language, uh -huh. then if you're only talking from your style, you're missing 75% of the population. Right. right. No, I completely get that. That's yeah. it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. So how can people find out, like, how can people contact you? That's a very good question. I should probably tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a website. It's carolgill.com. Okay. Um, Carol with an E, but if you put, if you don't put the E in, you'll still get to me. Uh, so my website is, is there and there's a lot of information out there. I also am on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, Carol R. Gill. Um, you can pretty much find me anywhere. Uh, I'm easy to get in touch with. Text is 813-802-8376. And would love to talk to anybody who's interested in getting better at what they do. And do you meet via phone, Zoom, in person? What is your typical? All of the above. Okay. Yeah, especially with COVID. Um, I still do a lot of in-person things with my current clients. Some, some people are still saying, you know, we want to stay virtual. So I'll do whatever uh, makes the most sense for the client. Awesome. I know I'm excited to learn more I and know. to dig in deeper. And well, I would love to spend an hour or so with the two of you. We need to get together face to face and I'll go through your results with you. And yeah, I would really enjoy that. I would love, love that. that. After, after we took the assessment, I noticed that there's, uh, there's an, a podcast on your specific piece of style. the pie that you are, your mm -hmm. specific style. So I started listening to it. I haven't finished it yet. Some of it's like, Awesome. I'm, I rock. That's so cool. Uh -huh. And then others, I'm like, oh, that's, that sucks. Like I need to work uh, on yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. That's the good news. There's pros and cons on everyone. Right. So, <laughs> but the two of you should listen to each other's too. After right. you listen to your own. That's yeah. a great idea. And is this, yeah. is a podcast something that you can only listen to on the Catalyst website or can you listen to it on like a Apple right podcast. now, it's only on the Catalyst website, but for my clients, when I'm working with someone, I will give them access to it. I can mm -hmm. I can actually give them access to some of the others as well. It's just not out there for public domain use. But when I'm working with a client, I can definitely give them access to the other ones. Got it. Well, that's so exciting. We're going to put your contact information in the show notes as well. Wonderful. And uh, well, the three of us will have to schedule a follow-up lunch or yes, something. Most like definitely. That. Yes. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed today's episode. Feel free to email us if you have any questions at livebolandbossup.com at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, live bold and boss up. This is a Rock Stops Here with Rock Riley Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Today's guest is different than anyone that I have ever interviewed. She is a professional fighter, boxer, Noemi Bosquez. She is 12, 17, and 3. 12 wins, 17 losses, and 3 draws. Why am I interviewing someone with 17 losses and only 12 wins? Because you know what? She is winning in life. She says boxing saved her life. She would be dead if it was not for the sweet science. And you know what? If they're going to pay her to travel and see the world, she's going to take these fights. She takes fights on short notice. She's loving life from where she came from, addicted to drugs and, 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 and boxing saved her life. 
And she's also got a great piece of advice at the end. If you're going through something, I'll let her explain. Without further ado, from St. Petersburg, Florida, seeing the world, loving life, training other adults, and having fun. I love her attitude. What a story. Welcome, Noemi Bosquez. The Rock stops here with longtime radio and TV personality. Rock Riley is found anywhere you find podcasts and radioinfluence.com.